All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Sports Injury Central slash Pro Football Doc podcast. And our topic today is going to be very much March Madness college basketball related. We are Sports Injury Central, so we do cover that. And we're very pleased to have a special guest here today. Of course, Jacob and Taylor and Justin are in the background. But we're very pleased to have Dan Dockich here with us. I've had the pleasure of being on his show and other things and respect what he's done all the time. And so uh, welcome to the show, Dan. Oh, it's my pleasure, Doc. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on my show on OutKick. By the way, you can see my show, 9 to 11. It's called Don't At Me in the Morning. Uh, all over OutKick and on my Twitter at Dan Dockett. So shameless plug, but thanks for having me, guys. You know, I might suggest a different little uh, uh, byline for you. I mean, look, college basketball, and and the, the guys in the room here, they're, they're young, so they might not know this joke. But, I mean, in my time, you know, obviously Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, right? And the joke was, who's the only person who could hold Michael Jordan under 20 points? And the answer was, do you guys know the answer to this? This is a long-occurring joke in, in my era. Dan will know the joke. Who's the only person that could hold Michael Jordan under 20 points? Well, the so, answer to that is two people, me and Dean Smith. That's <laughs> right. So the, the joke answer has always been Dean Smith, right? <laughs> Dean right. Smith at North Carolina held him to yeah, under 20 yeah, points. Right. But that's a, that's – uh, we got to get that joke amended, Dan. I mean, you're the only guy that's really held him to under 20 points, right? I uh, kicked his ass, Doc. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, uh, we got lucky. He missed shots. But I will tell you this. The man owes me six grand from a golf game. That was in 1984. We beat him. He came to the Olympic trials in Bloomington. Coach Knight was the coach. I was a player. Michael and I are the same age. And we played golf one Sunday afternoon. I beat him out of six grand when I didn't have two grand to my name, but he wanted to bet. He was terrible. I was good. And he never paid me, Doc. He tried to pay me in, like, uh, swag that they got for the Olympics, like plain pocket jeans from Levi's or Polaroid cameras. The dude stiffed me in 1984, Doc, six grand after I whooped his ass in golf and in the NCAA tournament. I own Michael Jordan. Well, that 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 might be some breaking news here. Michael Jordan's worth about six billion dollars or something right now, right? And and uh, I, I don't think you should go around saying he owes you six thousand dollars. I think you should go around saying he owed you six thousand dollars in principal, and then add in all the interest and penalties and late fees. You, you might have six million coming to you, but but you might find that in Michael's couch cushion right now. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I had a friend. Is probably. I don't know, five years. He's he he uh he was actually I went he, I was living with him and a couple guys that summer, so he knew the story and he knew it was true. He figured out at one point that it was without penalties, but just with interest, it was about ninety-six grand. I, I don't know how many years ago now. Um I did have dinner with him one time and he tried to at his restaurant after a playoff game and he tried to say that that covered the six grand, but no, the, <laughs> the steak was good. It was really good. But it wasn't that good. It wasn't six grand good. Uh, you know, what What do they say? Always pay your golf bets? I mean, come oh, on, wait. Michael. <laughs> come on, Michael. <laughs> there, there, there you go. Well, uh, he's so pervasive. Like, okay, my my kids, my royal twins are 10. And uh, 
my uh, son has all the Jumpman gear, and my daughter likes the the Jumpman sneakers. And and because I liked her sneakers, she actually got me a nice pair of Nike Jordans for Christmas. You know, and at one point I said about him playing basketball, and uh, because you know, brush with greatness, I was an assistant team physician, assistant, assistant. We have Dr. John Heffernan on our Sports Injury Central staff. And John Heffernan, as you know, was a longtime Chicago Bulls team physician. Yeah. And we've had him on the podcast, and he dispelled some of the narrative of the food poisoning uh, game in uh, Utah and other things, and and he's with us. But I was helping him in a small way take care of the team slash Michael Jordan. But my 10-year-olds are like, he played basketball. Right. right. <laughs> no, he just has a cool clothing line, you know. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, uh, that that logo's cool. Oh, that's him dunking a basketball? Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I mean that. I mean, that's when you know you're really, really old, you yeah. know. <laughs> they they don't even know. But Michael Jordan is huge, obviously. When my uh when my kids, my son was little, loved basketball. And I was coaching at Bowling Green, and we were in a bad stretch. And we we got beaten. I came home. I go, you know what? I'm just going to make myself feel good today. So I turned on the video of us playing North Carolina, the game that you're talking about. And I told myself, <laughs> we're going to grab popcorn. I'm just going to feel good today. And literally two minutes into the video, my son had no interest in the game. He just wanted to talk about how I had hair and Michael Jordan had hair. And he couldn't believe there was a time when we both had hair so he made me feel like crap. So I kicked him out of the room and watched the game by myself just so I could feel good after about three losses in a row as a head coach. So <laughs> yeah, that's that the way it goes. Well, well, what would make you feel better, watching that game again or Michael Jordan finally paying off that golf bet at 96000 or more? I could care less about that game. I'm getting older. <laughs> I need retirement money to scratch you know what they say? Money pros- money always uh, wins, and money in my world would be very nice from MJ, but I don't think I'm going to see it in this lifetime. Well, I think you'll probably get a lot of mileage out of the claim and uh, and uh, going forward. Well, I, I, you know any attorneys that will represent you? I mean, Yeah, i got a family full of attorneys. My, my brother's an attorney. My sister's an attorney. My uncle. Yeah, I, I'm covered in attorneys, but I just like saying that Michael Jordan owes me money. I, that's better uh, than I like owning Michael Jordan. I'm the only guy around that can own him. I beat him in the court. I didn't beat him. Our team beat him. Uh, and then I beat him on the uh, golf course. So, you know what? I like owning Michael Jordan. Also, so that the whole uh, Dean Smith joke doesn't even apply. But these guys in the room here don't even know the joke. So they're 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 so they're so out of it. Anyways, all right. Let's uh let's talk about March Madness. Um, I will be the first to admit that I don't personally watch a lot of college basketball because I got little kids. I, I mean, look, yeah. uh, I was daddy daycare weekend. Uh, my wife was in Phoenix with the 10-year-old daughter at a cheer tournament, gymnastics slash cheer, right, the, what they do nowadays. And she took the little one with her. So it was a undefeated dad weekend, two upset basketball 10-year-old playoff wins and a baseball playoff win. So I'm sort of, you know, cheering that undefeated weekend on. So I watched a lot of uh, little kid basketball this weekend. I didn't watch a lot of of the uh, uh, NCAA stuff. But March Madness is here. We're going to do brackets uh, among our company, and everyone does. 
but we are up to date on all the injuries. That's what I still look at along with the panel of doctors. And so um, I know that you have some of your predictions and other things already, but I think there's a number of key injuries that Jacob will probably run us through and uh, maybe start with, do you have any questions about injuries that are on players going through the Final Four and or it's not Final Four, March Madness, and then we can go the from there. Road to the Final Four. Yeah. Road to the Final no, Four. No, I got to tell you, Doc, I lost my coaching career to injuries. I coached uh, for 10 years at Bowling Green State University, and in that time uh, we won the uh, first time Bowling Green had ever won a outright championship in 2002. We won more in five years than they had ever won. So you lost your career due to injuries. Yeah, I did. I, I We had a deal, Doc. Seven of my 10 years, I lost my two best players. And five of my 10 years, I lost my three best players. And, in fact, we had just won. We were 12-3. and three. We had just beaten our rival at home. And a hell of a comeback. We were down 17, came back, won the game. Crowd rushed the floor. And I had a player named Jermaine Fitch who had had two ACL surgeries, and he had just come back. I thought the kid was going to be a pro, but he kept getting in. He had a great second half. I hit my assistant on the leg. I said, man, nobody's going to beat us now. And next thing you know, crowd rushed the floor. Kid jumped on my player, Jermaine Fitch's back, tore his ACL a third time. Mm. And instead of 25, 27 <sighs> wins, we won 18. And he never came back. Two other kids, my other kid got hurt. So I'm very familiar with the importance of injuries. I literally lost my career. We were on a path uh, to do things that, you know, teams had never done. And, uh, uh, last five years, I was at Bowling Green, lost my two best players, sometimes three every year. Well, you know, one of the things we do at Sports Injury Central, like, for example, for football, we do field views and we show a team's offense and defense and how healthy they are in the run game, pass game, et cetera. And for basketball, we do some court views. And the big difference is that one key injury in basketball is worth at least four, if not five, key injuries in football because, A, you have to play both ways, and, B, it's 22 starters. Really, you could argue more with the rotation and so forth in football, but it's five basketball starters. So for you to say uh, you've lost two or three star players, uh, that team would be red in our book in terms of the score, and you, you can't win that way. I mean, you can't lose the equivalent of 14 or 15 players off a uh, NFL team and win, you know, starters, right? And Doc, so, uh, I, had, I had, you know, during the year when, you're, when you lose players, right, Coach, or, uh, my athletic director and the fans are like, man, what a great coaching job you're doing. Holy cow, right? But then at the end of the day, your record is your record. And the fact of the matter is nobody really cares. And it doesn't matter if it's me at Bowling Green or Indiana or Purdue or the NFL. You know, for coaches anyway, uh, at the end of the season, how many on the left, how many on the right? You know, how many wins, how many losses? And you know what? As a coach, you understand that. As a coach, uh, you, you take all the compliments with a grain of salt. But basketball, look, we had 13 scholarship players. Usually I only used 11. It's one thing, you know, in basketball, if you lose an okay player, maybe a walk-up, but not your good players. I'll give you one right now. Uh, Houston, number one seed uh, in the NCAA. They have a kid named Sasser, who's their best player. He goes down. Uh, I think it was in the semifinal. Shoot, they got blasted by Memphis, and they don't know whether he's coming back. And that's going to affect the entire tournament because you're talking about a number one seed in Houston, three losses all year, 31-3. and three. It's one thing to have your, your second string or whatever go down, but when it's your best player, that affects the whole tournament. 
Well, no question it does, and it's a great lead-in. So, for example, you're, you're right. Nobody knows what his injuries are, and in college, there's not injury reporting, right? And right. and that's why we say what we do is so important. We do injury analysis anyways. We don't do injury reporting analysis, and we go by video. And Marcus Sasser, we put out there when he went down with the groin that we said he wasn't going to play in the finals of course the reports came out pre-game that he did everything in warm-ups and he was going to play and then the line did what the line did and the bottom line is obviously he didn't even play at all with the groin and and with the groin it's very hard when you're a guard and everywhere so we actually have his six score we have something called the sports injury central health score 100 and very rarely is someone 100 percent healthy but it's percent of expectations uh 80 is 80 percent of expectations He's in the 60s, even if he can play 61. Defensively, he's not going to be able to do much. Running the point, which he doesn't have to do, I guess, he's not going to be able to do a lot. So that's a significant difference there as you talk about this, um, Marcus Sasser. You know, so um, yeah, that's that's one of the the lead storylines that that we sort of have. Yeah, well, Sasser is a really good player. They play a physical style. Uh, Houston does, and again, it's. You know, it, it, it's one thing to say, all right, um, you know, walk-on got hurt or a guy coming off the bench. But one of the things that it is kind of interesting is how teams have overcome injuries. There's a kid named Fremantle that playing for Xavier who, you know, you could argue is one of their five, six best players. He's been out and Xavier has played, uh, I think, really, really well, you know. And um, it just – here's the deal, uh, Doc. you 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 got to have guys – that are there for a reason, meaning when you coach college basketball, you said it, right? You only got 13 scholarship players. So every scholarship has meaning. Football, you can give a scholarship. You got 100 guys, whatever. Basketball, my son, I'll give you an example. My son went to Michigan as a walk-on. And John Beeline said, you know, Dan, he's playing pretty good. He's one sprained ankle away from getting regular minutes. That sprained ankle came. He got regular minutes. So Basketball is just a unique deal with that. And to your other point about the importance uh, of each individual player, look, there's absolutely no question. And frankly, games swing in the middle of them if a guy turns an ankle in basketball, if a guy goes down. You know, I'm, I, there's five, probably five games, a couple for us, a couple against us over the course of my career that an in-game injury absolutely changed the outcome of the game. And also to your point, you know, as a coach, and this this goes back a long, 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 long time. The last undefeated team in college basketball is the 1976 Indiana Hoosiers. Well, in 1975, the player of the year, Scott May, to your point about efficiency, he broke his wrist in the last regular season game of the year. Indiana in 1975 was undefeated. They, they were undefeated going into the tournament. It was determined that put a cast, kind of a mid-cast, and he could play. The efficiency rate was probably 20%. Coach Knight, Bob Knight, made the decision to play him his normal minutes as opposed to a backup. They lost in the Elite Eight. Knight regrets doing that. So as a coach, you have to weigh, all right, I want this guy on there, but is he at 50%, 40 30 whatever, better than the backup who is 100% but not, not as good? you got to weigh that, and that's a tough thing in a tournament, particularly 
when you're playing a Thursday, Saturday, or a Friday, Sunday, and you only got one day, and it's single elimination. It's not the NBA where you got four out of seven. You lose, you go home, and everybody's disappointed. That's another big point. And look, since I spent the weekend watching little kid, 10-year-old basketball, but I think the analogy fits. My son's little team lost their best scorer with a finger fracture a couple weeks ago. And it took them a couple of weeks to adjust where now they actually are playing pretty well. And that kid is now coming back. And it's going to be interesting to see for this little you know, division finals where they have in the playoffs, how they're going to do with him back in because they've sort of figured out how to play without him, play without him yeah. right? And uh, look, we're going to welcome him back in. Look, I don't even coach the team. It's, it's coached by somebody else. But one of the things we concentrate on here, for example, with Houston, and we'll get to the other list here, the recent injuries really hurt you because your team hasn't figured out how to do it without that person sometimes, right? And the recency of injuries, and we do it for football too, The re- it's not just the injury and who the starter is and who the backup is and who can play in their place, but getting used to playing in the new rotation, mm-hmm. I think, is a big deal. And, you know, to lose your, like Scott May, you know, for Scott May to go down so late in the season, I think that's devastating. Mm-hmm. If it's early in the season, mid-season, you got a chance to right the ship. But this late as you head into tournament play, I think it's a big deal. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about here. And there's really not a lot of information. Sasser, if he returns to play defensively, he's going to be hard. He can hit the three probably. But, uh, you know, I think he's going to be very limited in his effectiveness. And you got to factor that in for Houston. And this groin issue is not something that's going away by next week. So maybe Houston can get through, you know, to the Sweet 16 without him. But can they really go beyond that? I think it's going to be a big question mark. Well, I got to tell you, uh, I'm 60 years old and I can remember when I injured my groin and i'm also going to tell you it still hurts there are different times <laughs> where it still hurts i mean honest to god it, it it's like oh man and i can remember the minute i did that so i always i always did this i always worried about that I, i'll tell you something about injuries and you mentioned um you know how late that kind of thing i had a chance billy donovan when he was the head coach at uh florida won two national championships in a row and he what he did was he basically had the same group come back, uh, Joakim Noah, uh, Al Horford, and this group. And I asked him, uh, I was visiting with him, and I said, all right, what did you do the the second year? He said, you know what my main concern was? It was injury. And we had a manager, uh, and we had a doctor, and we had a trainer. Uh, We limited the amount of time guys played against each other, meaning we could come in for shooting, individual work. We did a lot of that. But they found that every, you know, injury potential goes up exponentially when you're playing five on five or three on three or four and four and all that stuff. So he had set minutes that the doctor, the trainer, and he established for each of their veteran players. And you know what? He said we were fresh. He said we did not get hurt. And we were able to win a second national championship. And I think a lot more coaches, at least in college basketball, I, don't, I can't speak to football. I talk to coaches in basketball all the time, and that's really it. Uh, are really cognizant of that, are really cognizant of limiting actual me-against-you time to limit injuries. Because, as I said, guy like me, lose your career, whether it's a fluke injury or not, whether you could have done anything about it, but, you know, you lose your career because of it. 
Well, that's interesting because what you're talking about is load management, and that's a big topic in the NBA right now, load management and uh, et cetera. And, and I've maintained for a long time that load management happens in every league. It's just more blatant in the NBA because little Johnny doesn't get to see Steph Curry on a given night when dad bought tickets, right? Whereas yeah. Saquon Barkley load management is, okay, you, you sat for a series in the second quarter, right? The, and you, or you sat, you, you alternated a little bit, or you didn't play on third downs load management, or fewer, uh, uh, you know, more red zone targets, but fewer other targets. So load management happens in every league. Look, we know it happens in baseball. Look, you know, now it's five slash six starting pitchers, right? And yep. and the closer pitches only the ninth. And there's a setup guy in the eighth. And and back in my day, you know, you'd pick the seventh, eighth, and ninth, or at least eighth and ninth. So there's load management everywhere. But I think the NBA gets it. And you bring up an interesting point. So even back in the day, it's been in colleges, the, the load management and uh, and so forth. So uh, well, it's interesting. You mentioned earlier, to, to your point, you mentioned earlier us beating North Carolina uh, in the NCAA tournament. And what happened was we played – what we do? We played on Saturday. So we beat Richmond on Saturday. Then we flew back, took Sunday off, had a meeting. And coaches always ask me, right, like, you played for Bobby Knight. He's the toughest guy ever. Man, I bet he grinded you in practice. And the answer was no. He was one of the first guys – in fact, I think he was the first guy that understood – hey, look, we're going to practice 20, 30 minutes and we're going to watch film or we're going to shoot. We're not going against each other. And so guys always say, you know, it was Indiana, North Carolina. I bet coach really – I go, no, we practice maybe 20 minutes a day the entire week because you want to be fresh. And particularly in basketball, look, you got to understand something about college basketball. Load management is a little bit built in in college sports. You have a mandatory day off, Right. Uh, most coaches, you can only practice 20 hours a week. So it's pretty much built in. It's not going to happen in games other than, you know, if a kid gets hurt or, or excuse me, kid gets tired in the game. But it, it happens off the season. And the other thing uh, with college basketball is you got to be very careful. You know, football is play a game, sit a week, play a game, sit a week, and you're done in a semester. College basketball, you may play, you start playing basically this just a game part in November. So you're practicing. Maybe you play a tournament over Chris over Thanksgiving, which is three games in four days. Uh, you got to fly back. You're in class for not one but two semesters. You know, it is a very, very long, and I mean long, year. Basically, if you're in the NCAA tournament, you have been going at it hard since the first day of school uh, in September to right now. It is long. So it is just common sense that coaches started picking up on Doc, where hey, look, uh, today we're going to have a we're going to have a mental day. I'll tell you what I did one time. I had a team that we won the Mid American Conference. We we went I don't know whatever we went twenty two and five or something. And towards the end of the year, uh, we won a game. I could tell we were a little stale, and I had a veteran team, so I had guys that had been around me. So I acted like I was mad, Doc. I, and this is really stupid of me that I did this, but I did it. Hey, I don't give a – you guys, we didn't play good. I know we won. Tomorrow, 3 o'clock, get ready. We're going to practice, blah, 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 blah. Well, what I did was we had a hill at Bowling Green, and it had snow, and it was a beautiful sledding hill. So I had my managers go get uh, sleds 
and even like trays from the cafeteria. And we had it all set on top of this hill. My managers were there, my coach. But I walked in, my players were were dressed for practice. I said, no. I said, we're not practicing today. I said, everybody put your clothes on, put your boots on, put everything on. We're going out to the hill and we're running. So they all, oh, man, this is awful. So they get in their cars, they drive across campus, and uh, I got sleds lined up. And they're like, what are we doing? I go, are you crazy? I go, that was a hell of a win yesterday. We're going sledding today. And I mean, these guys had the best time, right? Now, it's stupid. And a nurse told me, you know, Dan, there's a lot of sledding accidents, you moron, and guys could have got hurt. But we ended up winning the league. We won six in a row at the end of the season because you just you got to keep guys fresh and you got to figure out unique ways to do it because the season's so long. No, you're right. But two thoughts come to mind for me right there. First of all, last time I went sledding, I went to one of those sled parks that had a little conveyor belt that took you up. I mean, that's pretty tough work when you're sledding. You have to walk uphill. That's it that's was. a workout uh, uh, right there. Second of all, um, you know, uh, it's it's long in history now. But if the NC2A would have known about that, you might have been, you know, it might have been a violation for an added benefit or something. <laughs> we did. Hey, look, that's why I said we're not buying these guys sleds. We're going to go get trays from the cafeteria. <laughs> oh, that's how you worked around yeah, the, the yeah, added benefit. We yeah. We were thinking, Doc. We were thinking. Yeah, I, I got you. All right, so let's run through a little more. We talked about Houston, a number one seed, and Marcus Sasser and his issues. Kansas, number one seed, uh, back spasms for uh, their one guy. He's going to be okay, I think. Uh, can, I, can, I junior, jump, yeah, yeah. can I jump in for one? There's, there's a big one, I think, Dan. You had a team to watch. Is Drake, right? They're going to yeah. play, play Miami. Um, they're going to be maybe without Norchad or Mir. Well, we're going to get there. We're just going by number one seeds to get to you the want, number I five we're doing seed. Sasser, we're doing, I thought we are doing the we're, big names We're picking here. upsets, dog. That's yeah, all we care about. Come on. <laughs> no, come on now. You know, so Kansas, number one, McCullers. He'll be fine. Bill Self. Discharged from the hospital, his heart issue. Um, first of all, I think that some. I think I think Bill Self is a well liked coach, and I think potentially the team will rally behind him. I don't see much of an issue here, but also he got two stents, and guess what? The re- sure he's going to have to have low stress, but medically, I'm not trying to make a joke of this. Is once the stents are in, it's like a, it's like instant relief. Uh, in terms of your heart, as long as there wasn't any long-term damage. So I think Coach Self will be fine for this tournament, and that's just a footnote on the number one seed Kansas team. And, uh, uh, you know, apparently he's going to be back, and sure, it's scary, but it sounds like the doctors took care of it. So don't have a lot of worries on Kansas as a number one seed. Um, Going in order, next up, UCLA, a number two seed, um, as, you know, Taylor and these guys want to pick upsets. Uh, UCLA, I think, has a problem here. Jalen Clark, we put out uh, that uh, you know that he was out for the season with his Achilles, right? And um, that turned out to be true. And we put it out at the time based on video. But uh, the uh, their uh, their other defensive stalwart, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Bona, Adam Bona, Adam Bona, yeah. By video, he clearly dislocated his left shoulder. And if you look at it's likely an inferior dislocation. If you look at the video of how he walked off the court with the athletic trainer, it's very similar to the SI picture of my holding Drew Brees' left shoulder, inferior shoulder dislocation walking off the court. 
Clark is out for the season for UCLA. He's done for sure. But Bona's not coming back this week. Um, and uh, his six score is down to 22. Next week, if they can make the Sweet 16, becomes a maybe. But given his defensive style of play and rebounding, it's hard to harness that. It's not like he sits out at the three-point line and just shoots. So uh, the final four, if the UCLA can get there, I think you can get Bona back. I think he's not here this week. If he, the Sweet 16 round, uh, the following week, but final four is kind of where he's at to return. So I would urge people to factor that into your calculations related to UCLA. I don't know what your thoughts about their importance, Clark. And, and oh, Clark are. is maybe the most important guy not named uh, Tiger Campbell or Jaime Hawkins, and Clark going out uh, is catastrophic for them. I mean, you know, again, you want to you want to have your best players playing. You know, that first round. Uh, they'll get by Asheville, although Asheville is very well coached. Second round, if it's Northwestern uh, or even Boise, they should handle them. Northwestern, not necessarily a big team. However, Northwestern does have two guards uh, that can go cause a lot of damage. It'll be interesting to see. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, there, as a coach, you look at it like this. Yeah, it's crazy. It's terrible. I hate it. But it's an opportunity for somebody else to come play. And it's an opportunity for older guys. They got a player of the year in the Pac-12. You mentioned Jaime Hawkins, and I think a terrific point guard in, uh, in Tiger Campbell. And, you know, opportunity for them. But all that leadership stuff is great. But then when you start playing Gonzaga or you start playing Houston or you start playing Purdue, you got to have your guys. I mean, you're not winning with uh, Hope and Yay Rock Go Fight win. You're winning those games, as you said, in the, in the, in the Final Four and such with your guys, and those two injuries are bad, particularly the one to Clark. Yeah, and Clark's not coming back. Um, no. uh, Texas, number two seed, Timmy Allen, unspecified injury. We don't have a lot of information or video. He's declared ready to go. Was it a calf? Was it what have you? We hope he's ready to go, but we don't have a lot of info there. The next one, uh, obviously, unfortunately, the Tennessee uh, starting point guard, uh, in game slash real time, we said unfortunately that looked like an ACL tear, and that's been confirmed. So he's yeah. done for the season. Uh, they've had a little bit of time to adjust, but that's a big one. But let's go to what Taylor wanted to go to number five, Miami, because against Drake early on, uh, the their big center who, uh, and and one of the things that we do, Dan, is we don't look at an injury and say groin, every groin's the same or an ankle sprain. Look, uh, uh, Omir, Norchad Omir, I don't know, am I saying his name correctly? Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, you know, I don't know his style of play, but he's very active rebounder, defender, athlete, big man athlete, um, ankle injury, a standard inversion ankle sprain really on center. March 10th. Every minute that goes by, and, you know, oh, boy. Hang on a second. Somehow yeah. my TV just turned on. Oh, no problem. I got one of these wireless things, and I'm looking, and all of a sudden that just came on. Like, what is this? Why is this on? <laughs> I'm going to mute this thing right now. There we oh, go. Oh, no problem. All right. No problem. Go ahead. No, yeah, that's, that's me with tech without these young guys, right? I mean, uh, I'm telling you, Siri listens to me. I know big tech is listening because she'll pop up, and this TV – I'll come down in the morning and it'll be like, go ahead. I'm sorry. But, yeah, the big kid, look, here's the deal. All right, let's take his injury. All right, so you're, you're, you're going to play round one against Drake. Now, Drake is really good, 
and Drake has an older big guy, but he's not one of their leading scorers. So you can get by if you're good enough to beat Drake without a big guy. But if you play Indiana and you don't have your big active center and you've got Trace Jackson Davis, who's a first-team All-American, and frankly can score anywhere between 20 to 40, you got a real problem. That hinders your ability, hinders it big time. It's a bad matchup for Miami without that kid playing. And you and I both know ankles are bad to begin with. Ankles on a big kid that's certainly active, runs, all that kind of stuff. That's that's bad business. Good for Indiana. I live in Indiana. I played. I coached in Indiana. So good for us. Bad for them. No question. And and he's got a significant inversion ankle sprain, at least grade two, if not grade three. His only hope of coming back early is if this is a little bit like Steph Curry where it's chronic and, you know, and we don't have the data on that. But, look, uh, I don't see him doing much or being effective. His sixth score is 36, and that's sort of for – the the first week the first two games here and as you say maybe drake's okay but against indiana etc uh looking ahead but he can't be dynamic and in my understanding he's a very dynamic player i mean if he were a you know a seven four center plotter underneath i mean he might be able to get away with it but he's a very dynamic player and this ankle sprain i think is going to be a big deal for uh for miami yeah, good, like I said, good for us in Indiana. Look, let make no mistake, Doc, uh, when I was coaching, it didn't bother me one bit that a good player from the other team was hurt. Didn't bother, I don't want anybody to get really hurt. I don't want anybody to die. But it didn't bother me when you found out before a game, hey, so-and-so isn't playing for Akron or Kent. Good. It goes both ways, right? It's going to even out eventually, yes. right? Yeah, you know. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, that, that's that, that's one of the things that we try and do is to try and give you injury analysis. Don't take the cheese. Sasser, full warm-up, good to go, the whole deal, and uh, didn't even play, you know, uh, kind yeah. of thing. And so hopefully there won't be any new injuries, you know, during the tournament. But, you know, one of the things we find, because there's not really – look, we used to not – Dan, we used to not um, – go into colleges hard a we've expanded at sports injury central with more staff but also we felt like college football and even basketball these were amateurs but now with nil i mean we think it's fair game you know to and and it's not insider information we're not calling ad's or athletic trainers or coaches for information it's just uh, insider knowledge of publicly available information i.e video of what their injury is and publicly available reports and and trying to interpret or analyze it. So we'll continue to do that throughout this uh, March Madness uh, here. You know, I became an expert. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking. In fact, there's a kid on Indiana named Race Thompson. Race Thompson gets hit on the court. And this was embarrassing for me as a former player, but for some reason, this six foot nine, 250 pound, six year senior decides he's going to cry on the court. And I'm like, get up. Uh, my wife says, what do you mean? I go, look, she goes, he tore his ACL. I go, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. I've seen torn ACLs. There's no chance he tore his ACL. He got scared, which is what a lot of kids do. So what happens? He doesn't tear his ACL because you can see it clearly from video. He got scared, started crying, which I'll never understand. You'd have had to stab me in the carotid artery to get me to cry in front of 10, 20,000 people, but that's the new millennials. So anyway, long story short, he misses like a week, and I don't think he even needed to do that. But you're right. You can see on the video. He uh, couldn't put any weight on it, and he freaked out. You obviously yeah. have a lot more yeah. experience than I, but if you have any experience at all, which I got a ton of at Bowling Green, you can tell by the video.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, what we say is, you know, if you go to see the doctor and you say, what happened to your knee? And you describe what happened, that's the video, right? And part of it, I fell into it because I did, you know, the action sports industry was the X Games team doctor, you know, or, or the official physician for ESPN for almost 20 years. And every one of those guys, whether it's practice or in a competition or in their backyard, has video rolling. And when they come in, they go, what happened? They go, here. And they show you. Right. And, and the video, but but you bring up an interesting point, and this is what we always say. You have to judge the video, not the reaction. Judge the injury, not the reaction to the injury. The tears, the throwing of a helmet, the slamming of this, that, the other, doesn't really always correspond to the significance of what is going on. You have to judge the injury, not the reaction to the injury, and that's what you're talking about there with looking at the video. All right, uh, Dan, thanks so much we've run longer than anticipated i kind of figured that because we've got a lot to talk about what what else you want to talk about or close with or push or whatever you want the floor is yours no just check us out uh outkick.com uh, and don't at me every morning uh 9 to 11 you can get it on youtube look dockage outkick or uh go to outkick.com we're always there Awesome. That uh, that sounds great. I had fun when you had me on that one time there. So uh, thanks again. And uh, we'll take a quick break here on the Sports Injury Central podcast, and then we'll come back with the rest of the show. And uh, thanks a lot for your time, Dan. And remember, you got to change the joke now. It's not just Dean Smith. It's Dan Dakich. <laughs> Dakich, uh, uh, stop Michael Jordan uh, is, is should, should be the punchline. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right. Uh, good segment with uh, Dan there. I mean, uh, I don't really know Dan that well. Just been on a show one time and uh, interesting guy, right? He's got a lot to talk about, which is cool. So let me ask you guys, Jacob, Taylor, and Justin, three-person vote. Better story, he held Michael Jordan to under 15 points when he played him. 13 points exactly. Th- Sorry. 13 points yeah. exactly, whatever. Did a better job than Dean Smith, right? Because his average was under 15, whatever, with sure. Dean yeah. Smith. Yeah. Or that Michael Jordan owes him $6,000. What's the better story? The golf story, for sure. The golf story, for sure. Really? Yeah. I like the stat one. Like, I'm like, every, he's like... Oh, a- you're the tiebreaker, Justin. Yeah. All right, I got to come in. Uh, I mean, it's it's honestly like the physical accomplishment of doing that. That's pretty good. But the lasting, the staying power of, of Michael Jordan always owing you money is is definitely the better like party story. I the think. fact that he's like still chasing it down, like yeah, I, don't yeah. Think I need is. to meet Jordan. I don't think he's like, chasing it down. You don't I have think, to. But that's think, the funny part. I just think there's a long list. I think he's a part of a long yeah. list. The other part, he's like who's who's literally stopped Jordan is, for under 15 points. Is Jordan better at basketball, golf, or gambling? Basketball. Oh. <laughs> Oh. And Gam- he's not better at golf. He's terrible <laughs> well, at golf. He's like literally everybody knows that he's, he's terrible, not at golf. terrible at he's golf. He's not terrible great golf. though. Like he's he not going to be say, Charles like, Barkley. What's your handicap, Taylor? <laughs> well, I mean, I've never golfed, so actually, it's probably better at, than Jordan right now. No, okay? I, gosh, that surprised me. I, what the, do you think? The, you like the money more? What is a hundred percent? Yeah, not the money. No, the holding him to yeah, under that's fifteen the best points. One. That's the best. A hundred percent, because 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 every Tom, Dick, and Harry could have him owe him that's money what i think you're play. in a long list of people i mean yes. i mean to yeah. me the bigger thing is that you're friends with michael jordan and you actually played golf with him that's pretty cool i mean that's yes, pretty that's cool, cool. Yes. The, the owing money part is to me secondary to that but to have played against them in an ncaa to a tournament and beat him and held him to 13 points that's 
For, uh, uh, to me, that's way better. Bob, Bob Knight said, don't let him embarrass us and don't let him dunk on you. And he said, and Dan's like, all right, and then went to puke in the back and came back and had a great defensive effort. So You beat him over 18 holes is more impressive. Anyone, everyone has an off night. He's it's not Jordan, as good as Jordan basketball than golf. He had an off night. You're beating like a kind of good golfer. You're beating but you're talking about players. the NC2A tournament yeah. in Indiana and a legendary yeah. guy. Jordan probably played 72 holes before he played in that game. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, we're gonna agree to Sober disagree. Enough? To, to yeah. me, the much more impressive is you actually. You're I mean, I'd them. say, look, look. Uh, I I think I scored a layup once when I was on the court against Jay Billis, and I'm still talking about. <laughs> That's it. a good story. <laughs> That's a good story. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, I mean, I, I'm gonna try and claim that, and and you know, and and no, I mean, uh, so forty minutes, right? Forty minutes of basketball. How much he played? Dinner under? table conversation, though. If you bring up the, I stopped Jordan. Then, oh, this guy's full of stuff. But I, Jordan North still owes me money. That's a whole conversation. That's all right. It sounds like a Twitter poll coming. We're gonna <laughs> yeah. clip both of these, and we'll have a poll on what it is. And <laughs> the story, I don't believe you. I'm pulling up Wikipedia. Where it's my 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 guess. Yeah. My guess is going to be a little bit age dependent on on where I don't know. Anyways. I, that, that that was it was fun. It was fun to, to chat with him. Yeah, sure. All right, Jacob, what do you got? What do you got? Other sports, other things, what you got? Everyone's favorite quarterback, everyone's favorite injured quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo has a new landing spot with the uh Las Vegas Raiders. I know Taylor's just super excited. Yay. <laughs> is is he ready to go, Doc? He's got a full training camp. I mean, that was the issue last year with the shoulder, but is foot gonna be an issue for training camp? He's ready to go. As we talked about of the quote. List recent of yeah, 49 yeah, quarterbacks yeah. he was the healthy one but he's the one they didn't want right and obviously brock purdy had his surgery and you know i think what we said on brock purdy people are kind of coming around to like okay they're still trying to say he can start throwing in three months mm, okay maybe that, that, we'll that's see the best, that best, best yeah. case yes yeah. yeah look he could be ready week one now three there's months no June. guarantee that he's ready week one and remember it's still a very young quarterback without an off season for development. Mm -hmm. It's a tough road. I mean, they're going to still add somebody. They're going to have to. Yeah, I, I've actually talked to some beat reporters. They've come around and say, "You're right. They're going to have to do something." And not to say that they're looking to replace Brock, Brock Purdy, but they got to have some insurance here. You need a healthy arm, right? Yeah. You need somebody. Yeah. I mean, let's see what happens when when Matt Ryan's released. If he'll end up there. You want that. I yeah. I don't know. I'm not saying I want that. I'm it's, just saying it makes good, some sense, good, right? Yes, there's some yes. there's gotta be some trust with between Kyle Shanahan and Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan was MVP under Kyle Shanahan. Mm -hmm. That's why Jimmy went to um yeah. the Raiders too. Josh McGowan's reunion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the reunion. But but you do realize Josh McDaniel's reunion with Jimmy G, you know how many games it is? Zero. Maybe no, one no, no, no. or two. Two games. It's the it's the year that he had that. Yes, the, yeah, the yeah. four game um, Deflate Gate sit out for, yep. for Tom. Jimmy played well the first game, played well the second game before he got hurt. hurt. Did not finish. <laughs> yep. And the third game was the Julian Edelman Martellus Bennett criticizing him. Yeah. On his throwing shoulder AC joint for not playing. So this guy has cashed two games. Game and a half, really. But a thousand practice days. Lots of practice days, <laughs> yeah. but into yeah. quite the, the, the Jimmy G story. Yeah. Yeah. He's not the yeah. Jimmy G guy like everybody thinks. He's only had a, like you said, well, a I don't know. Maybe Josh him. McDaniels can continue to get good games out of him. Um, yeah. <laughs> obviously, you know, you know how it is in the NFL. It's who's your guy. I mean, 
Derek Carr with a high salary wasn't his guy. I'm not saying he's terrible, but right. he wasn't his guy. So uh, it'll be uh, interesting there. But Jimmy G doesn't have any injury issues um, currently. And uh, you know me, I don't believe in the injury-prone stuff. Right. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, Another free agent that signed yesterday was uh, Sterling Shepard. He's had ACL. He's had Achilles in the past. It, like, like the Pollard situation, it would make sense that he goes back to the team that holds his medical records, that's understanding his recovery. right? And it's a one-year prove-it deal right. yeah, at yes, not exactly. much more than minimum salary. Yes. That's, that's tough. Yes. Prove it off of ACL after he had the Achilles the previous season. That's It was an early tough. season one, right? So he, But it's yeah. still, like you said, he is also older, too, so it's not... 100% like, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and interesting also, I saw a few days ago, Bud Dupree released. Yeah, release. Yeah. And, and remember when he signed, he said, well, maybe this deal will work out, but you that first year like that is deal. not going to be yeah. good. Right. Yeah. He played better the second year, but obviously they're in a salary cap purge. Right yes. Now they're getting rid of a lot of people for, uh, Bud Dupree, but he actually should be healthy for the most part. I mean, some wear and tear on the knee, but he should be healthy from his, uh, ACL. The other uh, quarterback we're waiting on, Aaron Rodgers, uh, going to make his decision any year now. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of rumors of him to the Jets. Kind of popped in my mind that what what are they doing at tackle? I mean, they George Fant is a free agent, right? Mackay Becton was going to be the left tackle. Then he had the knee issue, the right knee issue that he's gotten fixed now, and he dropped a bunch of weight. Taylor pointed out. Look, it's, dropping some weight. Um, look. You're looking at a picture, right? I mean, how much did he lose? Uh, if it's dropping bad weight, it's a good thing. Right. But the most important thing is don't be surprised if he goes back to left tackle. I think he went to right tackle because he did not have surgery on that right knee, making it very hard to be the inside plant leg kicking out to the other side. Don't be surprised if he goes back to left tackle. I think the Jets will have options now that his knee is fixed. Um, you know, you can question his, you know, what sh sort of shape he was in and maybe he's in great shape now uh, kind of thing. Right. But medically speaking, don't be surprised if he goes back to left tackle because his kneecap is now fixed. And that That's is his natural position as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it also always depends on what it is. And, and I can't emphasize enough how hard it is to switch from left and right tackle. Right. And I've talked to some guys, um, you know, at the Super Bowl, uh, Jeff Schwartz and others about, you know, some of that topic. And the closest thing I can say is it's literally shoot difference between shooting a right-handed layup and a left-handed layup. Opposite foot, opposite hand, opposite motion. Right. And how many of us can really – if you're right-handed, shoot a good left-handed layup. Right. I mean, the guys are very talented and used to it, so it's possible, but it literally is mechanically that right. different right? Uh, to play left tackle and to play right How tackle. often do you practice that if you're the starting left tackle, then all of a sudden they shift you mid-year like Tyron Smith did? Well, no question, and, and, it's, it's, and that's a, another question there. It's like, okay, uh, you've only played on the right wing and gotten right-handed layups and now you yeah. gotta go get left-handed layups all of a sudden is it a talent thing though too also when I, every time we read this stuff i always see that they did play that position sometime in their career young at college or something so they did do it but like is it a talent thing like trent williams i see him being able to go right tackle and be okay is it like the guys like that are elite that can easily switch or is it something? well there's a difference i mean if you're a great basketball player you can use both hands right With but, ease, yeah, but yeah most players still have a dominant hand. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's right. very few that are equal on okay. both sides. Oh, for sure. And so can Trent Williams or somebody like that do it? Yeah, maybe. 
but I still think it's it's hard to to do uh kind of thing. Remember um, when we were doing um offensive line stuff a couple years ago, uh Jedrick Wills, he's the left tackle for the Browns. He was the right tackle for his whole career in Alabama. I remember when he was drafted, he actually has been okay, but not like dominant left tackle. What you said, like same thing. It's hard. You can't just draft a right tackle and just slot him left tackle. It's not a plug and play as easy it's not as I mean some adapt hats off to people. They yeah. they adjust and yeah. they they can do it, but it's just very, very hard. So maybe if Makai's be- better at left tackle, maybe this will be good for him. He got his knee fixed. He's in shape, et cetera. He's a first-round pick. He's, he's he had the talent. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, blind side, if he ends up going there, which... Last year, he had a bad blind side, too, yeah. right, with David Bassiari. So a bad it's couple of years <laughs> of blind side. So yeah, Jenkins. Yeah, just, yeah. Something, something interesting wrinkle to the, the Rodgers to the Jets rumors. Yeah, I mean, if not to the Jets, where is he going to go? doesn't seem like Green Bay is yeah. that excited to have him back. Yeah, right. and Raiders was one of the teams that's checked, you know, checked off now. So there's not, you're not that many places open. San Francisco? No, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> that's the stopgap, right? <laughs> Could be. No. All right. What else you uh, got? Just kind of interesting with the franchise tagging and all that stuff. Seems like the more lengthy injury history players are not getting extensions as easy. I mean, Giants. You look at Daniel Jones getting all those years, all that money, and then Saquon Barkley getting franchise tagged. Is that injury base? Is that team's a little hesitant to extend a three, four year to a running back? Well, there's a lot of politics that go into it. So, you know, as a fan, you go, well, why didn't they just extend his fifth year option? It had been cheaper than a franchise tag. Well, first of all, running back franchise tags are not that expensive. Right. right, right. Uh, second of all, this is the big fallacy that people say. I mean, you think of a team where the Giants, why did they do this? Why did they not do this? But it's a point in time. For example, I remember people saying about the Chargers, they they got burned on Ryan Leaf, so they're not going to draft this quarterback. This No, no, no. The GM that drafted Ryan Leaf is not here anymore. Yeah, right. He doesn't think he was burned by drafting Ryan Leaf. Right. I mean, it's it's the comparison is not correct. So for the Giants, and you know, I got to get the details right, but Saquon coming off not a great year, and new regime coming in, they needed to make a decision, and they didn't want to commit it. And now that they see he had a rebound year, they're saying the franchise tag isn't that expensive for running backs, and so they did it. So, uh, as I always say, teams don't intentionally ever. Nobody intentionally makes a dumb decision. They may make a decision that doesn't work out. But they had reason to make that decision right. at that given point in time. Right. And it may not work out, but that's all. And circumstances changed. Saquon had a great year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here you also, go. like, I think that like Jacobson, too, if you want to do that, I think one was maybe a money thing for the Raiders. Giants, it seems like, like you said, he's coming off the injuries. He, they, they haven't seen two straight years of no injuries. Maybe, well, maybe but the other thing is, is, until they signed Daniel Jones, they didn't have the franchise right. tag available. Yes. Yes. So yes. they yes. couldn't do anything there. Mm-hmm. Right. But once they signed Daniel Jones, yeah. now they have it. Now yeah. they can utilize it. If Daniel Jones remained unsigned and had to be franchise tag, I think Saquon walks. Yeah. Right. So much money so, to utilize him. Yeah. So you, it's not the money. It's, it's you don't have – you only have one tag. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there you go. And, and the Lamar thing will play out. That'll yeah. be – Interesting. I mean, if you really look at it, where does Lamar go? I don't know. Even people saying Atlanta, that's a big 
topic. But Atlanta it's interesting that Atlanta came out and said we're that, not that, interested. That's, yeah, I don't believe that. But yeah, I don't <laughs> know that. I everybody ate that. that up, Doc. They're saying, oh, all these teams aren't interested, so it's on the Ravens. Well, I don't know if I mean, look, it, it all depends on the price. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a lot. You, you, sure. you guys, you guys want to go to Vegas this weekend and, and watch March Madness? Hotel rooms are a thousand dollars, and the flights a thousand dollars round trip. They're nuts. No. Yeah. <laughs> Answer is no. Yeah. Uh, I got a fifty dollars flight to Vegas and a fifty dollars hotel room. You want to go? I mean, <laughs> it all it all comes down to the economics. You don't want to look too interested, also. Yeah, you know say, I mean, oh, he's our he's our guy. Yeah, he's our only right. option at, at quarterback. At what price? Yeah. Right is yep. is the question, and I think there's a lot of interest in a lot of people depending on the price and the situation. So, um, but injury wise, Lamar, I think will be fine. Well, it's like you said when Tom Brady was available, you have to do your due diligence as a team, right? If Lamar Jackson's open and you have Colt McCoy or something, Tom's not available. He's got a kitten. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> his time's taken. You know what I mean, though? Like the, if they're 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 not available, they're you, you. I mean, they're available. You have to, as a general manager, look into Lamar Jackson, right? People yeah. look into a lot yeah, of different yeah, situations. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you'd be dumb as a GM to not kick the tires on a couple. That's your guys. job, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. Pro player personnel. It is their full time job to know who's what, who's available at each slot, yeah. and their job is is if our left tackle goes down, these are the top five that we would target as free right. agents. So the personnel that's for the their entire job, league. Yep. Yep. You know, to do that's why there's a college scout and a pro personnel guy. I mean, so yeah, the people go over that stuff all the time. I've seen the boards before. Right. You know, where the like literally. Now it's probably on a computer sheet, but back in the day, it was a whiteboard where they, you know, literally listed their so players. On the board, though. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, kind of deal, and and uh, and tweaked it on a almost daily basis as to what mm-hmm. they thought, uh, et cetera. Well, anyone interested? We're uh, doing a free agent series coming out with the people's injury histories and risks going into next year. Guys, we're we're worried about. Um, we already did a kind of fringe quarterback carousel article covering Ryan Tannehill, Mark, Marks Mariota, so. Anyone should can find that on the website. Yep. Uh, MLB is ticking along too. The Yankees are starting the year shorthanded, but maybe not the worst case scenario for Rodone and uh, a couple of the other guys. Bader's probably a bit away yeah. with the oblique. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're tracking all that stuff. I had a question on UCL's doc. Sorry, I didn't mean to Go ahead. Um, the, This is Philly, so I had to jump in. Um, he has a, the tear in his UCL. There's a huge debate, you know. Andrew with, Painter, we're yeah, about. you got to say, yeah, he's a 19 year old, uh, <laughs> six overall prospect for baseball in general, yeah. not just Phillies. Yeah, so he may. You're saying he likely had a grade three, but the thing is, though, people are saying that it's proximal, so he's gonna rest and not have the surgery. Why do you think that surgery is still gonna happen for him? Well, he's 19. Is he gonna stop stressing his arm? Is a healed ulnar lumetare ever as strong? Um, look, I hope he can avoid it. I haven't looked at his MRI. I haven't examined him. Is it really proximal or is it that the spin, is it partial grade two or is it grade three? There's a lot of factors that, that go into this. Look, uh, Brock Purdy was all set to have surgery and be ready to go. And then he got examined by the doctor who's going to do the surgery and the surgery got delayed. I mean, there's all sorts of things that can happen when right. you actually examine. Right. Uh, we're looking from afar. I'm not wishing ill will on him. But way back when, when the Padres were kicking the tires on Otani before he got to the Angels, mm-hmm. there was some question mark about collateral ligament history. Yep. And I don't remember the exact details, but I remember that there was some partial or some issue. Okay, yep. And my opinion at the time was that 
he's ultimately going to have ulnar collateral ligament surgery. That's not to say you can't clear him today to pitch for the Angels and get signed or whatever, but ultimately he's going to have it likely. And he did. Yeah. Now, this kid's 19. Look, if he's 34, I think he's got a good chance of not having surgery and making it through. He's 19. Uh, I think surgery is potentially in his future. Uh, is it this season? It could be. Is it three seasons from now? I don't know. But if you're taking a wager and someone wanted to offer me, he will never have Tommy John surgery in his career. I would take that wager. You know, he's going to, is my belief. It's not a hundred percent. And I haven't even examined the guy. And there's also a thing you said, he's developing still. He's not at his peak yet. Why would you have that looming over your head, you know, when you're still developing? Just get it over the way. Like you said, it strengthens the UCL as well. Like, well, why, 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 why have surgery and be out 18 months when you're developing? And it stunts your development and growth. Phillies yeah. are all in to win a World Series. Yeah. He could be your fifth rotation piece. Maybe you limit him moving to some middle relief, bullpen, and you have him bail in the playoffs. For sure, this is your window. So oh, yeah, it's it's a it. calculated For risk. It's not yeah. not their purposely and, 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 and look, it. Yeah, I'm not saying they're being dumb. Yeah, right. And that they're they're look. If there's no way this was going to work, they wouldn't try it. Right. But part of trying it is think of it this way. Not since some of you guys liked the six thousand dollar money angle as opposed to just <laughs> winning. <laughs> Would you rather miss eighteen months when you're still developing? and getting paid low salary and stunt your career and growth in timeline? Or would you rather have a little bit of major league success, get a big deal, and then boom, if it happens, you're an established guy, right. and you're getting paid guaranteed money to rehab for 18 months at the major league level? It's a big difference. Uh, yeah. Look, nobody wants to have surgery, right? And uh, if given an option of surgery, no surgery, there's a lot of times you pick no surgery. And, and it doesn't mean that it's bad or wrong. It's a calculated decision. Look, right now, let me present this to you. Let's say it was a 50-50 chance that you could return to pitch this year. Or you could have surgery and put it behind you, but it's going to be 18 months. Which would you choose? 50-50, you're, you're not doing surgery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's too, that's too, that's too like Okay. High, uh... Okay. 75, 25, 25% chance it'll work. Are you having the 18 month surgery? Still no. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, you're still thinking about it. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. It, and it's an individual decision for everybody. Yeah. So, in the know. starting pitcher for the Phillies, Aaron Nola, he, like I told you guys, he actually has the same thing. He has this, whatever, not the same thing, obviously, but like he has a tear in his UCL and he didn't have surgery. So I was asking, like, asking but there's you, grade one right. sprains that are tears and grade three sprains. That he are just tears, has a tear. So you don't know. The, yeah, you don't know the yeah. details in terms of what's happening. But do you think he's talking to these players and his, like they're, they're with these guys every day? Is he asking Aaron, like, what do you think? Do you didn't have surgery? Look at you. He hasn't missed a step. You're Look, like, would you expect every player and their agent and their family to leave no stone unturned and look for options that yeah. don't have them out for 18 they months. They want you to ask everybody, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I'm not being critical of it. This yeah. is just the reality of it. Right. I mean, a lot of times I see second opinions on kids. Well, this, the guy said I needed surgery. I'm coming to you. Like, well, I think you need the surgery too. Okay. You know, yeah. if I gave them the option of no surgery, they, oh, we want to, I mean, yeah. it's no different than, um, you know, uh, 
you know, my uh, son saying, can I go on the switch, mom? No. Then he'll go and ask dad, can I go on the switch? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You got to exhaust every option. (laughs) (laughs) I hate to keep making kid references, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's what happens. All right. Um, Beast of the week. I got a Calvin Ridley talking openly and honestly about his, uh, his misdiagnosed foot injury with the, the uh, Falcons. I'd love to have Calvin Ridley on and talk about or any of the athletes that are Byron dis- Jones, that, Byron yeah, Jones yeah. that are disgruntled yeah. about their medical care and give them a platform to really discuss it. Is it a misunderstanding? Is it blatant malpractice? Is it purposeful hiding of injuries from teams? Some of that is really bad. Yeah. You know, and if it's purposely hiding injuries, horrific, horrible, 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 horrible. Absolutely. If it's malpractice, not good. Sometimes it's a difference in understanding, like, oh, I think you can make it through it, and then in the end it didn't work, right? So then you're I mean, mad, that, yeah, then yeah, you're yeah. mad on yeah. the other end. But mm-hmm. but one thing I will say, and I'll, I'll give him beast of the week for owning up to what he did, yeah. gamble. And Great. it didn't sound like he gambled a lot, but and it sounded like he was in a tough place, and and yeah. to come clean like that, I think it's good. But it's a powerful players' tribune article for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the things I will say. Unless I'm missing something and maybe the game has changed because I'm old and I've been out of it for a while, NFL team physicians do not give players narcotic pain medicine to play. Right. It is documented that narcotic pain medicine slows your reaction time. As an NFL team physician, you are not giving painkillers for someone to play. My standard course is at most in terms of narcotic painkillers, you might get one Tylenol with codeine if you said you really had to need it. But if you're really needing, like everyone thinks you're loading them up with Vicodin, we never did it. What does Tordal do exactly? Tordal is a painkilling medication like Advil Mm -hmm. is a painkilling medication. Toradol is a strong anti-inflammatory. There's no question Toradol is used. But I'm just trying to get people to to understand that I would be, I'd love to have Calvin Ridley on. I'd be surprised, almost shocked, if he was getting narcotic painkillers to play to numb the the pain. Mm. Now, was he getting Toradol? Almost for sure. Right. Was he getting numbing block medication? Maybe that is done. Mm-hmm. That doesn't affect you systematically, systemically. But I think it's just a fallacy. Team docs give pain medicine to allow people to play. And if there are on it, I can promise you it's likely not coming from the team doctor. Right. It's coming from from other sources. We had a kid once that came from USC and he was arrested with hundred Vicodin and we went back and looked uh it's factual I guess I can say it Kevin Ellison and there was suspicion that we had done X Y and Z we went back and looked at records we never gave him a single Vicodin ever yeah. now you could argue why did he need to come to us for it he had a baggie of a hundred in yeah. his car so yeah. he, he he was he was doing it but not from us yeah. I mean you know yeah. uh kind of thing that's just not what's routinely done yeah. at least in my time. And that's just being factual. So mm-hmm. straightening that out. But good that Calvin Ridley is 
come clean with all of this. And I'm glad the NFL didn't give him the death sentence for yeah. this. I mean, he yeah. made a mistake. He gambled. He admitted to it at a low point, and he yeah, let, it, let him let him return to the league and and uh, and whatever. And it's not like he was trying to hide anything. He figured, what's the big deal? I'm in Las Vegas. It's legal right. where I am right now, and I'm not with my team. I'm betting on my team to win. I'm yeah. betting on my team to win. It's not like I even had any inside information. Right. It's almost like a rooting interest. So, I uh, I mean, to me, I get the hard line for the NFL. He got a year, which seems like a very significant he in, he was in Florida when he placed the bets. That's but, right, yeah. yeah. But it was still legal. He placed it at a Hard Rock right. mm-hmm. yeah. casino, right? Isn't that It was right? legal for him until it's, he works for a company that it's not. Right. Yeah, yeah right. Right. exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I could see how you make that mistake. I mean, but it's, it's no different than, uh, I guess, uh, it's legal in California and Colorado to smoke weed, but... As an NFL if, player. But if an NFL <laughs> yeah. player, yeah. you're above a threshold, you're going to yeah. get popped. Right. I mean, so that's what it is. Anyways, all right, uh, lots of March Madness stuff. Uh, and one of the things is, since there's not a lot of injury coverage, I guess we'll try and do our best to give you the best injury analysis. and We'll be your, ma- your injury coverage. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and we'll monitor all the games, and hopefully there won't be injuries, et cetera. But thanks for watching Sports Injury Central Podcast, and thanks to Dan Dockich and uh, – We'll see you guys uh, next week.